Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. I know we're not meeting in person still, and, and me and Ann and Ryan, we've talked about uh, quite a few times how we desire to be together in a room again, but I still think the Lord, and I still believe that the Lord is going to move in our city, going to change lives, and so this morning as we gather virtually, I want to encourage you to sing with us. In your living rooms, in your car, if you're driving, sing out with us this first song. It's a really good reminder. It's a reminder that our sin has been washed away because of the blood of Jesus and that we stand uncondemned in him. And so sing this out with us this morning, wherever you're at. What can wash away my sin? Well, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Is the flow that made 
Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. Clark here with you this morning, and we're so grateful that we're able to worship with you all across living rooms uh, here in Fayetteville this morning. I wanted to make you aware of a few things uh, new that are going on um, here at Fellowship Fayetteville. One is in this online format now, you have an opportunity to engage in an online forum or a chat, if you will. And this affords us the opportunity to interact with you. We'll have pastors moderating that experience. And so if you have a prayer need or a prayer request, it'd be a way for you to um, express that and you can engage with a pastor in that experience. And so we're grateful to be able to provide that as a new way to worship together. Um, also, um, wanted to ask a few things of you, Fellowship Fayetteville, uh, my church family. Would you continue to pray for our elders? Every 14 days they gather and after seeking uh, counsel, uh, they make a discerning decision about when to reopen our doors on Sunday mornings. And right now, we're not meeting in that format. Uh, but in light of that, we're going to need this fall more than ever to lean into our mission and vision to reproduce released leaders all across Northwest Arkansas in the world, specifically for us in Fayetteville. So we're going to have an opportunity to do that in every format of small group here in Fayetteville, we're gonna to need to raise up new leaders. And later on, Michael and I will give you some details of what that means and what it looks like. But in the meantime, be praying for us. It's August now as we launch this new initiative. Uh, there's a lot of other things going on and you can find out some of those things and what's happening online. But uh, one of those things that you need to be aware of if you don't have a copy of is your clarity guide. And so we're gonna lean into this more than ever this fall. In fact, when we start a new, sec a new section um, of our Clarity series, right now we're gonna be moving into a series called The Church. And for the next five weeks, in this guide, there's an overview of what that means. There's family devotional material, and there's also devotional material to guide you through that time. And so I picked a psalm from our Clarity readings this week that I'd like us to read and then pray over. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? Blessed are those who observe justice and who do righteousness at all times. Father, this morning, we remember that we're created in your image. We remember that our identity is found in the finished work of your son Jesus on the cross in the resurrection and that now he's ascended and he sits at your right hand. And we live in that truth today and in this morning and this week, we pray that you would help us walk in that new identity. In Jesus' name, amen. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, open to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of 
your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never failed me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed. Oh, Father, you are faithful. And so, Father, as we all across faith, it'll take a a moment, 10 to 15 seconds, quietly to ourselves. Thank you for an area that we've seen you be faithful in. Would you hear us? Lord, you are worthy of our praise this morning, worthy of our affections. God, would you teach us through your word? through each one of us, would you begin to change us so that we can see a city that looks different, a city that's on fire for God, the only one worthy of our affection. So God, we give you this time this morning and ask that you speak to us. So let me pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Fellowship Fayetteville, I just can't tell you how much I miss seeing all of you gathered here in the worship center on Sundays. And I know I speak for our whole staff when I say, we can't wait until we can safely worship again. But even as I say that, I wanna thank the Lord for the technology that he's blessed us with that allows us to continue to connect virtually. And I wanna encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to make Sunday morning part of your weekly rhythm once again. I know over the summer, many of us have found it hard to maintain a rhythm. Things seem strange, our schedules are different, but I wanna encourage you with this new online platform, let's make nine o'clock Sunday morning a time that we gather, not physically, not face-to-face, but virtually, that we're all participating in the service, we're all singing at the same time, we're praying at the same time, and we'll have this opportunity, as Clark said, to, to interact through this chat feature, to give prayer requests, and so make that part of your weekly worship experience. And as I say that, I also wanna say thank you. Thank you, Fellowship Fayetteville. Thank you for your continued generosity. Thank you for your leadership out there in the community. Because of you, ministry's going on, and it's even growing in some places because of you. Through the ministries of Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas, Jesus' name is continually made famous in Fayetteville and across Northwest Arkansas and beyond. Well, my name's Michael, and I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship Fayetteville, and I get to serve on the community team, which is a great joy. And as Clark mentioned, uh, we are moving into a new section of our Clarity series, this Clarity study that we've been in all year. We're adding a new piece to the puzzle, this puzzle that we've been putting together all year that helps us to see Jesus more clearly. And of course, as we're seeking to see Jesus more clearly, we're looking at the bigger story of the Bible. And the bigger story of the Bible is the story of a loving creator God who is seeking to extend his blessing into the world he created through people. Of course, it begins in the Garden of Eden 
where God created a man and a woman in his image. And their mission was to extend God's blessing into the garden. Of course, we all know how that story turned out. Rather than obeying God, rather than doing what God had designed them to do, they took God's blessing and used it to serve themselves. And in doing so, they became slaves to sin and death. But God wasn't done. God didn't give up on his plan to reveal himself by extending blessings through people. And so he began to work in one man, Abraham. And he said, Abraham, through you, I'm gonna bless the whole world. And from Abraham came the nation of Israel. And Israel's mission was to extend the blessing of God, his reign and rule, to reveal God's goodness to the nations around them. But just like in the Garden of Eden, Israel failed. They served their own needs rather than doing what God had commissioned them to do. But again, God didn't give up. And from Israel, God brought forth another man, the perfect man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, long awaited and predicted in the Old Testament. And as Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, paid for our sins, rose victorious over sin and death, securing for us eternal life, God extended his blessing, not just to Israel, but to the whole world. And so now the question was, how would God continue to extend his blessings through people? And the answer is the next step in our clarity series as we begin to look at this new thing God was doing called the church. We've already looked at the day of Pentecost, the day that God poured out his spirit and began a new thing, a multi-ethnic, multi-racial movement of the people of God called the church. And so that's what we're gonna study in the weeks ahead. And we're gonna do that by looking at how God grew and developed the church, beginning with its formation in Jerusalem and then spreading to Antioch, to Philippi, to Athens, to Ephesus. And we're gonna take from that study some cues for us about how God wants to continue to use the church to spread his name and the gospel throughout the world. And so we're gonna start with the church in Jerusalem. And to do that, we're gonna turn to Acts chapter two. So I wanna invite you, grab your Bible or your digital device. We're gonna go to Acts chapter two, and we're gonna begin in verse 42. And, and as you're turning there and, and navigating to that part of scripture, I just wanna kinda paint a picture for you or give you an, an image of what we're trying to accomplish. You know, something I've noticed about myself and about the guys that I'm friends with in my life is that we apparently love to be frustrated because we all pursue hobbies that lead us to frustration. Some of my friends are frustrated because they can't get a fish to bite a hook. And some of my friends, especially my coworkers here at Fellowship Fayetteville, they're frustrated because they can't get a little white ball to roll into a cup. And I know in my free time, in my hobby, I'm often frustrated because old car parts and motorcycle parts just don't always wanna work correctly. I can't tell you how many times I've been doing what I enjoy, but I walk in and I've got bloody knuckles and grease up to my elbows and a broken piece. And I say to Lee, my wife, why did I choose this as my hobby? Why did I pick something so frustrating to do for fun? And so I found a way to decrease that frustration is to have the right tools. If I have the right tools, the job is less frustrating. And one of the tools I find myself using more and more is this right here, my phone. Because not only is there probably a YouTube video of someone who actually knows what they're doing, succeeding at the thing I'm failing at, 
But even more importantly, I can take a picture of the part as it's designed to be. I can take a picture of that piece put together correctly so that when I reassemble it, I can put it back together right, hopefully, according to the picture, according to the original design so that it will function properly. And that's what we're gonna see in our passage today. We call it a snapshot of the early church. And my hope is that as we look at this together, we can see how the church in its original design was put together and constructed so that it worked correctly. And we can then modify what we're doing to match that design. So let's look at it together. Turn with me, Acts chapter two, beginning in verse 42. It says, and they, the early believers, the church at Jerusalem, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So what do we see? We see a beautiful picture. We see the apostles, these men, commissioned by Jesus to continue what he had begun in his earthly ministry, living out what Jesus had taught them, to love God and love people in community. This was a group of people who were living out the great commandment that Jesus gave to love God and love people. And they knew it's not just about me. It's about the people around me that God has placed there for me to love as I love him. So how did the Jerusalem church accomplish this? How did they live out loving God and loving people in community? Well, it starts off by saying they were devoted. And this, this word carries the idea of pressing on, of continuing. And it's interesting. In the Greek, it's in what we call the imperfect, which means it's an ongoing thing. It wasn't something transactional that happened at one point in their life and then they moved on from it. No, it was something that they were continually pursuing. And so, so what were they devoted to? What were they persevering in? Well, the first thing we see is they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. This early church, the Jerusalem church, is marked by spiritual growth. It's marked by study of God's word. We always go over this passage and discover, and I always ask people, what were the apostles teaching? And here's what we've kind of put together over the years as we've considered that. We know they were teaching the Old Testament, right? In Acts chapter two, Peter gives an incredible sermon where he shows how Jesus was the fulfillment of so many Old Testament prophecies. So we know the Old Testament, it was written during the first, by the first century, it was finished, they had it. And so they were teaching how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. We also know, Matthew 28, Jesus said, teach them all I've commanded you. And so these apostles who had spent three years with Jesus, they were teaching what he did, what he said, his miracles. They were teaching about his sacrifice and his resurrection. Later on, 
they would write these things down or tell them to their followers who would write them down and those would become the gospels. We also know that these apostles, men like John and Peter, they were teaching and writing about how to follow Jesus, about Christian ethics and morality. Later on, Paul would do the same thing and they would write what we now call the epistles, letters that were written to the churches and to individual believers. And so when you put those three things together, the Old Testament, the Gospels, the epistles, we're talking about the Bible. They were teaching what we now call the Bible. And we want that to be central to everything that we do. It's in our name. We're Fellowship Bible Church. The Bible, God's inspired word, will always be at the core of our faith and practice. The Jerusalem church was a church that valued God's word. They were a learning church. You know, speaking of our name, the next thing they were devoted to is the first word in our name. We're fellowship Bible church. That word fellowship is a word in the Greek that many of you are familiar with. It's koinonia. It means sharing, participating, and it points to a sense of connection. We see that word used in other places in the New Testament. We're, talk, we're told about the fellowship or the koinonia of the Spirit, participation with the Holy Spirit, or fellowship with the Son. It's a connection to Jesus. And in this context, in Acts chapter 2, it's about a connectedness with each other. No one in the Jerusalem church was trying to fly solo. No one was trying to do this new Jesus follower thing on their own. Now they were in fellowship, participation, sharing of life with each other. The Jerusalem church was a connected church. And so these first two things that they were devoted to, the apostles' teaching and fellowship, those were at the heart of this Christian experience. The next is the breaking of bread. And that flows out of this fellowship, this connectedness. Now, Bible scholars are split over whether this means communion, the breaking of bread as Jesus had commanded us to remember his sacrifice, or if it simply means a shared meal. And many scholars believe that in the early church, communion was part of a larger fellowship meal. But either way, whether it's the meal that Jesus specifically told us to do to remember his sacrifice or simply sharing our food, breaking of bread means intimacy. It means togetherness and closeness. I mean, think about it. What do we often do on a first date? We go to dinner so we can get to know someone better. If you're trying to seal a business deal relationally, would you rather do that in the boardroom or over lunch? We all know the value of a family meal as we can gather and just break bread together. It's a picture of intimacy, of sharing. The Jerusalem church was a church that broke bread. And then lastly, they were devoted to the prayers. This community of faith is actively submitting themselves to God's direction. They were inviting God in to what they were doing. How do you feel when you pray with others? How do you feel when we pray together in the worship center? How do you feel when your community group prays? How do you feel when you pray with your spouse or your roommate or, or, your, or your family? Prayer binds us to each other and to God. 
Prayer invites God into what we're doing, but more importantly, ask God to bring us into what he's doing. The Jerusalem church was a church that prayed. And so it's easy to see how all of these things directly translate to what we're doing as a church today. The church in Acts was devoted to the apostles' teaching. For us, that looks like being devoted to consistent study of God's word and Bible. They were devoted to fellowship. And for us, that looks like sharing life with each other, not going off and doing it on our own. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. And whether that's communion or simply sharing a meal, we too can be a church that breaks bread together as we share our food. And of course, they prayed and asked God to be part of what they were doing and to make them part of what he was doing. And we at Fellowship can do the same thing. And so if we do what they did, I think it's reasonable for us to expect a similar result to what they got, right? If I put the part together the way it was designed, it should function the way I expect. And so what do we see in the passage? What is the result of a church that's organized this way? Well, the result is a radical reorientation of their lives. We see that everyone was in awe. It says every soul was in awe. They were amazed when they saw the way these people were loving God and loving people in community. We also see that the apostles were doing signs and wonders, which means that the Holy Spirit was at work. And so when we reorient our lives toward God, we can expect to see the Holy Spirit at work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And then look at verse 44. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This new community of followers of Jesus looked different because they were serving. Now, let's be careful and not make this passage say something it doesn't say. All of this giving and serving was voluntary. If we look at the rest of the book of Acts, it's very clear there was no compulsory giving. They were giving because they wanted to. They were giving because God had blessed them and changed their heart. And when they had radically reoriented their life toward Jesus, they wanted to share their possessions. And who were they sharing with? Any as had need. They held their possessions loosely and they were generous. When they saw needs in the body and in the community, they simply met them. And this makes an incredibly powerful statement to a watching world. And then we see in verse 46 that they weren't just gathering together in the temple. And one thing that's interesting that we kind of miss in our English, this word that's translated attended in verse 46 is the same word that was translated devoted in verse 42. Remember, it meant an ongoing perseverance, a pressing on. They pressed on in gathering in the temple, which would have been pretty normal in first century Judaism, especially in Jerusalem. There were temple rites and services taking place and it would have been expected for people to go and attend those. But what they did next was unexpected. They took it out into their homes. They let their faith influence not just what they were doing in the temple, but what they were doing out in the community. And so they gathered 
and they broke bread. And scholars agree this, in this context, it almost certainly means simply sharing a meal. Not communion, but sharing food, having a meal together. And look at their attitudes, sincere joy, honest, heartfelt generosity as they share their home and their food with each other. And what I notice in this passage is this persistence, this devotion, it goes two ways. They were praising God, so there's a vertical component. We would say that's worship. Dave Matthews, our worship team leader, would remind us it's all worship. Everything they're doing in this passage is worship because they're doing all of it with a God-honoring focus. But they praise God and they enjoy favor. That's the horizontal component. Because they're serving and loving and being generous, it's affecting people around them and people respond. It's not that they are adding to their number daily. The Lord is adding to their number daily. When people live like this, Christ-focused, generous, open, it is so attractive to people around you. And so here's our snapshot of the early church, working as God intended, loving God, loving people in community. It's more than just a weekly gathering. It is a radical change in the way they live their life. And so for these people in the early church, the Jerusalem church, this radical change toward a Christ-focused lifestyle changed them. It changed their hearts. It changed their city. And from Jerusalem, we're gonna see in the weeks ahead, God used the church to change the world. And so Fellowship Fayetteville, if we put some of these principles into play, if we're a church who's devoted to the Bible, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers, it'll change us as individuals. But it could change our neighborhood. It could change Fayetteville. And from Fayetteville, God could use this church to change the world. But it's all gonna start in our homes and living rooms. And so Clark, I'd like to invite you, if you would, come up and, and let's just share a little bit about some of the things we've been talking about and thinking about when it comes to what community is gonna look like this fall. Yeah, Michael, so um, years ago, um, just a little over four years ago, uh, we launched Fellowship Fayetteville, May 8, 2016. And so Michael, we're heading into our fifth year of ministry uh, from this campus here. And from day one, we said that the church is a people and not a place. And while we appreciate and we steward this building to bless uh, this church, to bless you, to bless the community, uh, we knew that the gospel mission, if we're gonna be a part of it, was gonna have to manifest itself through small group format all over Fayetteville. And so one of the expressions of that uh, for us this fall is that we're gonna have to get small in the way our groups are expressed so many of you have been a part of different groups over the years, and many of you are parts of small groups that are probably 30 or more for some of you, and it's, it's, it's quite a party every week when they gather. I Michael. won't name any names. Yeah, <laughs> but we're asking every group in every format, be it a standard community group, a cell group, a men's group, a women's group, a CR step study, any kind of small group, we're trying to abide by the state guidelines and abide by what our fellowship elders have asked us to do and to have every group 10 
or under. And so it's time to get creative and to multiply, which is a word that we use around here a lot as well. Yeah, for sure. And so I think that's actually gonna give us an opportunity as our groups get smaller, as we multiply, as maybe people who haven't led into the past, in the past, step in to have a true neighborhood focus. And so, Clark, I'm thinking that this could mean um, going beyond the presence of Christ in every neighborhood to the presence of Christ maybe on every street. That during a time when people feel uncomfortable going to the home of somebody they don't know, they feel uncomfortable going to different parts of town or um, into different cities, that we can focus as a church on our immediate neighbors, the people who live right around us. The kids are probably already playing together. The adults are probably already um, comfortable with each other. And this is an opportunity for us to invite those people in and to bring a little spiritual intentionality. You know, the Clarity Series is gonna take us into 1 Thessalonians, right. which is gonna be a great study for maybe some of you to and just engage another family or two uh, and their kids to study together in your home. And so, Clark, really what we're talking about here is a whole family approach. That's right, and so in light of that, we know that we're gonna have to engage children in that context. And so we've asked our Fayette Kids Team Elementary early childhood, our FSM team, uh, to be thinking through and providing you with specific resources that they can put in your hands and or online that you can use to engage the children in this experience and in turn be a blessing uh, to your neighborhood. And in a classic fellowship way, bring the gospel through relationship to every home uh, for sure for us in Fayetteville. And so we wanna see that happen in every neighborhood. Uh, Michael, we also are gonna have some incredible opportunity with our partner organizations in Fayetteville who are gonna be in need, along with those who are in need in Fayetteville, to serve on the front lines more than ever and to have groups engage in that experience together. Yeah, that so was, tell us about that. That was one thing that really struck me as I studied this Acts 2 passage was how the early church met needs. They, they were out in the community making a difference. And Fellowship Fable, there's so much need around us right now. And I wanna encourage you, if you know of a need, if you know of a single parent, somebody who's having a hard time, someone who's experienced illness, if you're already plugged in with one of our partner agencies or ministries, don't wait for the church. Go ahead and jump in with your group, with, with your neighbors, however you're pulling this thing together and start serving and meeting those needs. And for those of you who want to serve and just don't really know where to start, we will be sending out soon uh, contact numbers, information, specifics, places that have needs, specific agencies, food drives, uh, Meals for South Church, working through our schools, clothing pantries and food pantries. We're gonna give you plenty of opportunities to make a difference right here in Fayetteville for Jesus' name. And Clark, ultimately, that's what we wanna see happen. We wanna see life change. We wanna see the gospel go out. We wanna see Jesus' name lifted up in Fayetteville through all these small groups. And so I would like to ask you, um, as my my partner and and our ministry leader, just to pray to that end for us. Yeah, and so before I do that, Michael, I I wanna just encourage you um, as a a leader or a potential release leader here at Fellowship. um, Many of us, have maybe been in a crisis season in our life. And for whatever reason, in that season, uh, we needed a time to heal and to be restored and to grow. And so we've stepped back from leadership. Uh, Some of us have been in a season of sin where we've been wrestling with God over a specific sin issue in our life. And we haven't felt the confidence that God could use us 
as a small group leader. And through repentance and restoration, God's brought you back into a place of health. And then for some of us, we've experienced leadership apathy, where we've just stepped back and we've let someone else lead and we've stopped taking initiative to play our role in making disciples in the context of small groups. And so wherever you find your place um, right now, I wanna ask you this fall to join us to be a released leader and to see God do amazing things, whether we're in this room together on Sunday mornings or not, the church can be the church all over Fayetteville and neighborhoods and homes and boardrooms through released small group leaders in every format here at Fellowship. And so I wanna ask you to re-engage with us. And so to that end, I wanna pray for us and pray for our church during this season. Well, Father, thank you. Uh, again, for the goodness and the grace of being adopted into your family. We've all been given a part to play. We've been given um, skills and gifts to use to honor you and your name and to be a blessing to others. Uh, God, I pray for those of us that are hesitant to be released, that you would give us the courage during the month of August to find our place, to step out and to lead and to multiply our small groups. God, I pray that you would help us to work and live and play and serve out of the goodness of the gospel message that you came to rescue us, to set us free from ourselves so that we could live to honor you and to be a blessing to others. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, thanks, Clark. Well, Fellowship Fayetteville, we hope we'll connect with you again next Sunday at nine o'clock through this digital experience. And until then, know that the Lord loves you and we love you and we look forward to seeing you face to face again soon. Have a great week.